Hi, this is episode number 59 and a half. It's called uh, The Difference Between Attachment and Care. Uh, and it's taken from a recent group meditation and question-answer session in which my friend Peter Manning asked this question, What's, can you speak to the difference between attachment and care? And I'm going to... Uh, start us off by reading a poem that speaks to the actual subject here, which is, the subject is love. It's really always the subject, isn't it? And the subject of love is the love of the divine. If I am hoping at all to offer you unconditional love, I must try to love you from the deepest part of myself, the divine, and flow that love toward the deepest part of you, the divine. Anything else is conditional. And this is a poem by Mirabai, translated by Jane Hirschfield. Oh, my friends, what can you tell me of love whose pathways are filled with strangeness? When you offer the great one your love, at the first step, your body is crushed. Next, be ready to offer your head as his seat. Be ready to orbit his lamp like a moth giving in to the light, to live in the deer as she runs toward the hunter's call, in the partridge that swallows hot coals for love of the moon, in the fish that, kept from the sea, happily dies. Like a bee trapped for life in the closing of the sweet flower, Mira has offered herself to her lord. She says, the single lotus will swallow you whole. And this is taken from The Enlightened Heart, an anthology of sacred poetry edited by Stephen Mitchell. Peter Manning asks, can I talk about the difference between care and attachment? Wow, great question. <clears throat> and so practical. Uh, I'll, I'll say what I know about it. From the Vedic perspective and in the Vedic worldview, we, we talk about things by just speaking from different perspectives on them. If I take a rose and try to describe it to someone who's never seen a rose, I can say what it looks like from the side, from the top, from the bottom. I can speak about the petals and the leaves and the stamen and pistil and the different colors and the different textures. And eventually, some image of a rose will arise. And like this, we talk about a, a subject. And then, you know, it triggers in each of us what it triggers in us. And we understand we can what we can understand from it at that time for ourselves. And then that gets built upon. Attachment, I believe, always has to do with the idea of a desired outcome. I am attached to you loving me. I am attached to you seeing me in a certain way. I am attached to getting this job, getting this grade, having this experience in this fashion. All of it, if we take it one step further, is that attachment for a particular outcome is with the idea that that particular outcome will give me happiness will bring me a sense of fulfillment. And a couple of things about that equation is that if I'm putting my fulfillment as on the other side of that conclusion, 
I am de facto defining myself as unfulfilled. And I will never be fulfilled as long as I see fulfillment as on the other side of that. So that right there, it tells us that's probably not the right way to go. Um, as well, any idea I have of what my future self should be experiencing is based on hearsay and speculation and a projection of the experiences I've already had into an imagined future. And by definition, projection is made from past experiences. Past experiences happened as well as they can happen. If I put them in the future, they're only going to give me some vague rendition of what's already occurred, which also is guaranteed not to give me fulfillment because I, I already went through it and I'm not fulfilled. So another reason that attachment just is, uh, it's the idea that I know more than the, the all of what should be going on. That this small experience of consciousness, this constrained experience of consciousness, can imagine itself being fulfilled without reference to the wholeness of, of, of consciousness. What I want to have is the vision of consciousness for itself, the, the desire of God for itself. And again, this is not, we are not gods. But if there's only one thing, it's impossible that we are made of anything other than the very stuff of the divine. And the stuff of the divine wants to expand itself. It wants to evolve itself. It wants to love itself and uplift itself. That's a truth, capital T. That doesn't change. What is new, what is to be discovered with each moment, are the mechanics by which that fulfillment arrives. And the mechanic sounds like it's a, a billiard ball universe where I hit it over here and, you know, it knocks down anything, whatever. What do you call those things? Those, uh, where you drop a marble and it knocks a bunch of things down? A Rube Goldberg machine. The mechanics of the arrival at or the experience of my future fulfillment, number one, has to begin with my present moment fulfillment because it doesn't live over there. It lives here. And then I want to find out what this fulfillment is here to do. And I know that the all of what is, is here in order to feel itself expand into more and more and more experience, more and more uh, evolution of itself as a wholeness. So, it tells me that to step into the unknown is to step into the advanced experience, into the evolved experience, into the more fulfilled experience. To get trapped in the idea of, and it's supposed to look like this, I am literally saying that I know that there is an infinity of possibility, all of which can lead to greater fulfillment than where I am, but mine has to be blue. Based on what? I don't know. It's just a feeling I have. It has to be blue. Maybe not because it's my favorite color. Okay. But maybe, maybe you're going to expand into loving the blue that exists within green and the juxtaposition of uh, 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 an, uh, an orangish yellow against the blue. You, you know, 
you don't know, but maybe you're definitely going to be expanded to the extent that we're able to let go of our attachment to a particular outcome. That attachment is based in in projection, hearsay, and speculation, and idea. And it's not that ideas are wrong, but it's that we don't want to use ideas or intellect for processes they're not designed to be used for. They're not designed to build a future. They're designed to figure out how to get across this hill in order to get to whatever's going on on the other side of it. But they're not designed to tell me that that's the hill that's over. It's like, I feel this hill is there and I need to get over it. Now, how do I climb up it? Use the mind for that. Care is, if care is thought of, and I'm assuming care for another, um, if care is based in the idea of uh, transaction, if I care for you, then you will care for me. That's not care. That's transaction. I prefer the word love, but care uh, implies that I actually do care about your experience and I care about you. That means that I am looking at you open to discerning what kind of support or gift or in what form love should be or could be in this next moment. And I'm basing those ideas or those impulses in my care for you rather than in trying to give myself a certain experience. Now, interestingly enough, this true care for another cannot take place in me unless I am insisting on having a a fulfillment within myself, insisting on knowing the fulfillment that is within myself. Because no matter how much I say this is for you, if I'm looking to get something from offering it to you, then I'm going to be, you know, hedging my bets or, you know, trying to load the dice or whatever metaphor you want to use. I'm going to be in AA. They, there's some of the literature talks about hiding a bad intention behind a good one. Doesn't make the good intention wrong, but it means that it's going to be Painted is the wrong word, but bent in some fashion. And it's always going to feel bent to me and to the the person who's getting it. So what we want to seek is an experience of unconditional love. And we want to know that it's our assignment to offer unconditional love. It's not, and and this person is uh, for all sorts of biochemical uh, past life, present life reasons. This person is offering me an experience where I'm willing to do the work to offer unconditional love. This person is triggering in me some desire to do what consciousness wants to do, which is come together with itself, to care for itself, to uplift itself, to love itself. So I do the work to feel fulfillment within here. Then I put my attention on you fully. In order to care fully, in order to love fully, my attention must be directed to you rather than my thoughts about you. My attention must be directed toward you rather than my thoughts about your thoughts about me. And 
those thoughts will arise and then I let them go and put my attention on you again. And I let go of the idea that I think I know what care or love is supposed to look like so that I can be guided by the moment, by the flow between the two of us as to what love can look like here, what distance it should be at, what flavor should it have, what, you know, what, what expression should there be in it? Should it be a silent expression, a holding? Uh, an encompassing, an uplifting? Uh, should it be a hard truth that needs to be spoken at a certain time? Should it be speaking that thing that no one wants to speak but needs to be spoken? You know, all of these sorts of questions based upon the need of the time and the experience that the divine wants to have between us. That's what I, I, I want to look for. And just a couple of... Uh, signpost to look for in there. If I am doing something to quote-unquote care for you and it's costing me personally, that's not care and it can't possibly be right for you or for me. That does not mean it won't take effort. It does not mean it won't take everything I have. But Offering you everything I have from a place of love, care, and attention, and knowing that it's the expression of the divine, that feeds me, that fills me up. Even if I'm exhausted at the end of it, I'm fed by it. I'm filled up by it. I'm enlivened by it and enlightened by it, as are you. If it's costing me and I have to go through, you know, another round of therapy and chiropractors to get it out of me, then something's off in that equation. And I'm actually doing you a disservice by propping you up in a place where you need to actually fall down for a little while. Then I can stand near you and offer you a hand and and an embrace and, and, and everything that uh, is wanted by the situation and by you. You know, we, we are, we are meant at the microcosm to be expressions of the macrocosm. We're meant to flow with each other. We're meant to be ever more fully with each other. We're meant to know each other as the deepest truth from the deepest truth and letting the surface level or personality level of us find its own place. But we're meant to love. There's only one thing. In every human situation, in every interaction, there must be an emotional leader. Sometimes we lead by following. Sometimes we lead by leading. Sometimes we lead by walking along side by side. But there must be an emotional leader. I can't depend on you to set the rules for the interaction. Even if I'm letting you set the rules, I can be leading by going, okay, well, we can try that. Yeah, okay. But I'm the emotional leader. It, because there's only one thing, I must be that emotional leader. And because there's only one thing, if love wants to be in a situation, and it always does, then I must be the one to bring that love and to offer that love. And to be awake and aware and free enough to recognize moment by moment how that love can be expressed and from what distance it should be expressed. 
And, you know, the uh, metaphor of the drowning person is, is uh, not wrong. You know, if, if you're flailing and I want to help you, I need to be far enough away from you that you don't punch me. <laughs> you know, because you're not trying to punch me, you're just punching. And it's up to me to stay out of the interaction with that punch. Did that answer your question? Today I will look for opportunities to love, and with each opportunity I will ask myself, am I able to love unconditionally? And when I find the answer is no, I will ask for help with setting aside my conditions so that I can see the truth between us and offer the love anyway. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Embracing Bliss. I started this podcast and the book it's based on to offer a daily reminder to myself as well as to you that we have the freedom to choose happiness. And if ever we needed happiness and freedom to choose in this world, now would be that time. So please do share it with someone you love, send it to a friend, and also please stay in touch. Links for Instagram, uh, the book Embracing Bliss, and to sign up for my newsletter can all be found in the show notes. Until next time, have a great day.